In her already polarized and polarizing, rapidly further polarizing debate in the lead-up to the election campaign of 2024, the small state of Uttarakhand has made the first move. They've made the first move on, on what is called as Uniform Civil Code. Now, we saw already something, something big has happened, say on Hindutva side, with the, with the consecration of the temple in Ram Temple in Ayodhya. Now, BJP, because this has been one of their main planks, the RSS's main planks also, Article 370, Ram Temple, and also, also Uniform Civil Code. Now, they've made the first move on this with Uttarakhand government placing on the floor of the house the UCC Bill 2024, the Uttarakhand Uniform Civil Code Bill. That's the name. They, they, haven't, they haven't used any, any camouflage for it. Uttarakhand, the Uttarakhand Uniform Civil Code Bill 2024. They have a majority in the house. It will be voted tomorrow and chances are it will be passed. Now, that said, we have to look at many aspects of it. I have talked about this twice in the past and I will share both the links with you. Once about Uttarakhand's original draft and once also about the larger debate on where the BJP and RSS are coming from on this because their concerns seem to be purely demographic. Their concerns don't seem to be, at least that's the pretense or the argument. It's not so much about why does somebody have more than one wife. It is more about some people or some section of Indian population producing more babies. So, whereby a demographic balance is getting altered in the country. So, all of this, there is ideology to this. There is also some moral argument to this. But deep down, there is a demographic concern to this. We will also talk about how genuine that, that concern is. So, what we will do is, because it's a complex issue. It's also an issue about which I have spoken uh, sp spoken a couple of times. I've also used the Pakistani comparison. For example, in Pakistan, it was in 1961 that Field Marshal Ayub Khan, as a dictator, he just produced executive orders to do away with triple talaq, automatical triple talaq, and also polygamy, automatic polygamy in 1961 and so many governments have come in after that including Ziaul Haq's Nizame Mustafa and also Taliban Khan, Imran Khan's, Imran Taliban Khan's government, they haven't altered any of that, they've been minor alterations. So there's always been an argument in India from the BJP RSS side that if the Pakistanis could change it, if most Islamic countries have changed it, how come India cannot change it? The counter argument was that Indian constitution allows every community, particularly minorities, to follow their own personal laws and their own ways of life and the state should not interfere. In this situation, <clears throat> this new law has been presented. So what I'm doing is, instead of making you suffer my monologue for 25-30 minutes because it's a complex issue, I've got three of my stellar colleagues. Each one knows a lot more about this issue than me. So we are going to be listening to all of them. To my left is Neelam Pandey, who's one of the senior members of our political reporting staff. She's looking at the political aspect of this because deep down, it is actually, why not, why just deep down? Uh, this, <laughs> is, uh, this is on the face of it, all politics. So she'll explain the politics. She's also done the main story on this today. So we'll share a link. To my right, Bhadra Sena, who heads our 
legal and judicial team. She will give us a larger idea of what might happen now. How will how will the how will the legal community react? How, how what can be challenged judicially? What is the constitutional position? And Apurva Mandhani, who you know well, she is my partner in crime often enough. Uh, once a week with headlines ke piche, and she features also when we talk about complex legal constitutional issues. I have her. She will explain also many of the nuances of the new law. That said, let me get a little bit of politics out of the way. Out of the way before before I take it to the three participants. That larger political point is that as with the Ram Temple, this leaves the opposition in a bit of a bind. In fact, in more than a bit of a bind, because on Ram Temple also they could never oppose the Ram Temple because. They had welcomed the Supreme Court order, and as far as the major opposition parties are concerned, none had said that they don't want the building of the temple. So they had got caught. Now that the BJP and RSS had built it, they didn't know what to say. So to that extent, so to that extent, that argument was won by the BJP and RSS, or at least the other side were not able to counter counter it except by saying that the Prime Minister Merite Merite. Political event and political event at which he promoted himself, or a, or, a, or a political event to promote him. Similarly, some similar politics will apply to this decision as well, because which party is going to say polygamy is, is okay? Which party is going to say not having a common minimum age for women to marry is okay? Which party? Which party is going to say that acceptance of Living relationships is not okay. There's a nuance there that these two will explain to you. Or which party is going to say that in succession law, in succession law, the same law should not apply across faiths? Why should different faiths have different succession laws? And similarly, the opposition on principle will find it difficult to argue. That what this law says on maintenance, and this goes right back to the Shabano case, because Shabano case, where the Congress Party's downward slide started, that was a case where a rich lawyer's wife had been had gone to court seeking more alimony beyond her mayor. The court had granted it. She had won her case in the Supreme Court, but under pressure from the ulema, Rajiv Gandhi amended the law and thereby. Rendered the Supreme Court judgment infructuous. This law, in fact, says that whatever your mehr, in the case of a Muslim woman, doesn't mention it like that. But for any marriage, whatever your other agreements, you can you can now go to court and claim alimony or maintenance. So that is that is my political summary before we get started. Now, Bhadra, if you can tell us how is this, how will this fundamentally change the law of marriage? Marriage succession in India. See, so as of now, we have uh, different laws, different personal laws governing the different communities in in, in India, and uh, the only codified law is the Hindu Marriage Act, which actually governs the Hindu community. And over there, there's a proper procedure which is laid out. You have courts to hear uh, cases of uh, you know divorce and maintenance. But for the other, particularly the Muslim community, you don't have a very structured format. What UCC actually does it? It provides a structured format for all the communities. 
it now says it basically says at what age you can marry you have a uniform age it also lays down More the conditions until what age you cannot marry okay yes let's put it like that until what age you cannot marry it lays down conditions for a marriage and one of the condition very clearly says that you can only marry if you do not have a spouse means you have to be unmarried to get married which is never which is not defined in any other law except for the hindu marriage act then you also have a proper procedure laid out for maintenance which so far is only there again in the hindu marriage act particularly for interim maintenance in the sense when a divorce proceeding is going on it is pending or uh, uh, you know so what is the how you can get the interim maintenance from whom you can get the interim maintenance so all these you know the, the procedures have been outlined very systematically permitting women or men of all the communities to uh, get a redressal as well apart from that i think the most important facet of ucc in uttarakhand is the uh, recognition of a living relationship of course there is something critical about it in the sense that it is actually making regist making registration of living relationships mandatory which i think is uh, a very tricky area and it could be open up it could open up for a legal challenge and interestingly when there is a termination of the living relationship then also you have to go and inform the authorities so, and get it registered so nilam that's part of your story so explain this a little bit more yes yeah, so uh, this is something we had also reported in uh, november 20 uh, in uh, november 2022 so what what is interesting is that as bhadra pointed out it is not only about uh, registering your living relationship but at the same time if you fail to do so you can be uh, uh, fined jail. as well as you can sent be sent to jail. to jail at the same time uh, there's a dichotomy while they are saying that the legal age for a woman is 18 years and to for a man married. 21 for marriage uh, as far as living relationship is concerned if someone is below the age of 21 and they want to enter into a relationship a living man. relationship man or, or woman, a woman anyone who is below the age of 21 in such a case Uh, the registrar will have to inform the guardian or the parents about it and at the same time the local police will also be informed about it at the same time it also says that the registrar can also refuse to register a living relationship if he feels that there are certain criteria that have been laid out if he feels that the consent was taken under coercion at the same time if it says that it challenges the morality or the uh, policy of that particular society it also says that there could be any other reason which the registrar may have and you can challenge it but he can definitely say no this um, statement is not getting registered so this um, this amounts to if i may ask you this amounts to bringing the state into a personal relationship yes and this is what the opposition today as you pointed out that while you while the opposition has not been might not be able to challenge other aspects of the bill like like but like banning of polygamy polygamy or, or bigamy talaq. or instant talaq or, or empowering women but at the same time they are saying that in a way the government is entering the bedroom of people and how legitimate is that because live in relationship is something that has become very common so as far as youngsters are concerned they have been posting on the social media that this is something which they are not happy about hmm. Apurva, how concerned are you about this, and how do you think will this play out? And is there any legal precedent about living relationships? 
uh, or the rights of live-in couples? Right. So uh, the thing is, live-in relationships were recognized by the Supreme Court, but under a law, except for the Domestic Violence Act, no other law really um, regulated them per se or applied to them as such. It was only the Supreme Court. Now with this registration, it does seem like, at least on the face of it, that this may. Um, if at all challenged, a privacy would be a big argument that comes in here because um, living relationship hasn't even just small pointers. It hasn't been defined under the code. So uh, how do you define that two people are actually in a living relationship? What sort of inquiry will the registrar do into uh, whether he should be certifying some like giving a certificate of living relationship? or not, then the, uh, the ambiguity around the age is a factor. Another important factor, and I've done a small story on it also as well, is that uh, this part on living relationships uses the word partners, which I felt was interesting because the part on marriage says marriage between man and woman. But this part specifically uses the word partners, which uh, makes me think that maybe this could apply to living registration and living relationship for same-sex couples, but that's another ambiguity that could come in. So all in all, uh, it needs more refining if at all. And I like Bhadra also said, this could definitely lead to a potential challenge in the Supreme Court. And just to add to that, as far as living relationship is concerned, for the first time, uh, legal backing has been given to women who can then claim maintenance for the first time. Yes. And also right. children born out of living relationship will also be called legitimate uh, So then what is, what, uh, then how is a living relationship different from a marriage? marriage. Yes, right. that right. is the question that is being asked. Uh, that why the need for this? I guess the only difference that I could see was because they have listed on conditions also. There are conditions under which for, for a marriage. For a living relationship yeah, as well. Relationship so both, both people, persons again, both partners need to be major, they can't be minor, which is similar to marriage yeah, again. Yes. They can't be within prohibited degrees of relationship also, which is again the same thing in as the marriage. marriage. Yes. Uh, so these are some of the conditions that have been laid down. The only difference was that Termination felt much easier. So yeah. it just says that if you terminate a living relationship, you just have to give a Go statement to the registrar. And if you do it unilaterally also, you can still... But the woman can still claim maintenance. Claim maintenance. Yeah. So and a child easy. out of living relationship to be called legitimate. Yeah. So that's another thing. Yeah. So uh, in this case, uh, two persons living in together. People can live in together for, for a week, two weeks six weeks right they can have a relationship for six weeks eight weeks ten weeks mm -hmm. at which point does somebody or the state come to the finding that this is a live-in relationship requiring registration so that is that's exactly what Apurva has pointed out all the duration is not specified but if no, I, no, I if I, I can yeah I just add to this that they need the couple needs to inform the registrar within a month, a month. Oh, so a suppose month. they've been staying together yeah. for a month they have to then go to the authority concerned and file a form, whichever form is going to be uh, released by the state. They have to file a form given information. In case they don't do that, then there is a penalty as well yeah. as uh, jail term. And if the registrar or the sub-registrar gets to know about a living in relationship, then that couple can be issued a notice by the sub-registrar to which the couple has to respond. In case they fail to do so, that is also punishable and becomes a crime. And that's so, an increased punishment. Yeah, that's so an increased punishment. And, and, and yeah. suppose they said, we are just friends. 
or living as roommates. Uh, uh, that's what I meant. That's what exactly. So that definition is not there. Mm-hmm. It is that is an ambiguity in the law. There is a gap in that. And uh, but then the uh, the concern is the inquiry. Yeah, I was just about a registrar that, yeah. can initiate an inquiry also. So tell us about the yeah, inquiry. Yeah, so just to add to what Bhadra said, any couple who intends to be in a live-in relationship within a month has to inform the registrar. If they fail to inform the registrar, they can be served a notice, which will also include a fine as well as an imprisonment, which can be up to three months. if they are served a notice and they fail to respond to that notice then they will they can be imprisoned imprisoned for a period of 6 months at the same time if they do uh, reach out to the registrar for registering uh, the live in relationship the registrar can get into the verification process he can even call whosoever he wishes to for instance a neighbor also yeah but in so, this case uh, this is also open season for neighbors yes. for for, for landlords and noisy any, uh, <laughs> uh, or or anybody even a, even a street vendor to say i have heard so and so are living so, together correct, right and, correct, and and to bring correct. police into people's mm-hmm. homes yeah. yes, so yes. so uh, that is what the opposition has no, been politically uh, politically i find this uh, interesting because these these are not part of the ideological mix mm-hmm. from which the RSS had come at Uniform Civil Code. That was more about marriage. Right. Uh, how many spouses? <coughs> how many marriages? Etc. Uh, Etc. Et it wasn't so much about mm-hmm. this morality. Now it looks like that politically, this is an, this is I am saying this, not these three. Uh, there is an effort by the BJP also to appeal to the older generations' sense of morality. because older generations are not happy to see their children living together they'd rather have have them properly married and then have janam janam ka saath after that which doesn't always happen uh, so in this case this looks like something that the, this is an appeal to conservatism as i as i see it a lot of the younger people will not like it and many of them are protesting but i think politically bjp's impression would be that these are really the urban well to do quote and quote woke people and bjp right now uh, bjp as well as the rss they have a war on woke them and this may be a part of that and just to add to that when they were drafting uh, the uh, this bill i had spoken to a few of the members and they had pointed out that during consultation it is from there they got uh, the hint that they should include live in relationship in the uniform so, civil so code so basically the uncles and the aunties have got into the act now that is the reality uh, and this uh, bhadra you think uh, can be challenged in supreme court yes of course and i think um, apart from this what uh, the another area of concern which i felt after reading the court is with regard to um, you know the maintenance of the register where the marriages mm. will be registered and in fact even uh, the living relationships will be registered okay. so now that particular register can be actually uh, shown to anybody in the sense it is open for public use subject to the person who wants to see it paying some amount of a fee that would be decided so that again is uh, i think um, is likely to affect the you know the right of privacy of the people because how can uh, you actually make all this information public whether who is registering the marriage who is registering the live in relationship 
that ideally should be a very private affair. You can't make it a public affair. So which means tomorrow anybody, any third party can just walk up to the authority and say, I'm willing to pay a fee. I want to see the register because I'm probably, uh, you know, detective hired by so-and-so to look into the background or to conduct a background check about so-and-so. So this is again, uh, I think, a major area of concern for the younger Yeah, generation. so this is really becoming like a guardian state because you might be 19 men and a woman or a couple, uh, maybe 19, 19 and a half, 20, 20, 20 and a half years old. Yes. And yet the state will have the right or in this case, the duty to inform their parents. Yeah, right. right. So, so this is really taking you uh, in a direction where uh, people who are doing it know what they are doing. And I and, and I can see politically, Neelam, you think that this will appeal to the older generation. It definitely ko. will because as far as Uttarakhand is concerned, I had spoken to a lot of people and they had said that, you know, uh, they had they had received many complaints from RWAs that this living culture is at its peak and they have to ensure and, and they talked about women rights and women empowerment and they said that to ensure that nothing, uh, you know, happens to women in terms of if they enter into a living relationship and there are no safeguards. How how do you ensure that a woman is safe? So they had taken that plea, but I, I'm sure that, I know, you know. Everybody is a guardian of uh, the, uh, woman's the women, morality particularly, and, yeah. particularly in India. In fact, on that note, I will also mention to you that a long time back, although it's, it was later uh, held illegal and was banned, Gujarat had a system of what was called as Maitri Karar. And Maitri Karar was like a non-marriage marriage, bit like a living relationship. Although that is something that was used or misused by married men uh, to have relationships outside of marriage, so they couldn't marry the other woman, so they'll just sign a contract. And that was called Maitri Karar. So maybe thirty, about thirty years back, when I used to work at India Today, we had a we ran a story in India Today about this. I noticed subsequently that this was banned. So this is becoming. For younger people, a kind of a matri karar. So, a live-in relationship for 35 days becomes <laughs> becomes uh, a legally uh, uh, legally sustainable arrangement, which will lead to uh, claims of maintenance, etc., yeah. etc. Et right. And then right. there will be paternity suits, for all you know. Yeah. And a lot uh, of people are saying, know, why uh, not get married then, mm -hmm. if you yes. have to go through all of this? And they're saying this, this will result in more divorces because because with a live-in relationship, you are able to be in that relationship and then decide yeah. whether you want yeah. to get take it or forward not. or not. Right. Yes. Uh, another important thing that we have not mentioned is that the scheduled tribe, the tribal population has been kept out of the ambit of the Uniform Civil Code. So, they can follow their own customs and rules. Yeah, so for, for example, this one says no, no, no polygamy and no polyandry. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's interesting that you keep the tribes out of this because exactly. the only, exactly. only, yeah. only part of India's population where you still find, might find some polyandry or at least where there's been tradition of polyandry mm -hmm. are, are the tribes of Kinnor in Himachal Pradesh, mm -hmm. in the highest reaches, reaches mm -hmm. of Himachal Pradesh. And the story goes that that's the route the Pandavs took uh, when they are going, uh, when they are ascending up to yeah. heaven, and and because Draupadi had five husbands, so they were an example of uh, polyandry, and that's how the tribes there acquired the culture. So in fact, I had mentioned this in one of the earlier episodes also that Dr. Yashwan Singh Parmar, who was Chief Minister of uh, uh, of Himachal Pradesh, he was doctor because he had a genuine PhD, and his PhD was on 
polyandry uh, <laughs> in himachal pradesh so in any case i don't think this uh, pers- this ex- persists there anymore but at the same time the tribes are exempted that said apurva will you tell us uh, what are these prohibited relationships so shekha prohibited relationships are essentially um, relationships that two people share where they cannot marry for example a basic example being that a child like a son or a daughter cannot marry a parent so there's degrees of prohibited relationship a list that is given and that's always been there hindu marriage act also talks about prohibited relationships and siblings that's what, siblings cannot siblings. marry you can't marry your cousin, stepmother cousin. or son's widow or daughter's daughter or son's daughter so there's a long list of relationships that you cannot marry and that's been reproduced here and applied uniformly to all um, but has it been expanded because in many communities uh, uh, say cousins can marry mm-hmm. and it, it that that doesn't just apply say to muslims or any faith right. that happens among many ethnicities among hindus as well so it's interesting what this says this provision says that um, under conditions for marriage it says uh, Condition should be fulfilled. One condition is parties are not within degrees of prohibited relationship unless custom or usage governing one of them permits marriage between the two. Now, this provision was always there in Hindu Marriage Act as well, with this exception. Now, another exception has been added that such custom and usage should not be against public policy or morality too, which is another area of ambiguity yes. from what I understand because. public policy and morality are very ambiguous so what is public policy and morality in this one again it is not defined it's not it's quite it's yeah. silent the law mm-hmm. is silent on it so again it will be subject to interpretation <coughs> it could be subject to interpretation of the court where the case may go or it could be subject to interpretation maybe, of the yeah, yeah the rules also, also have also to see what the rules, rules are going to say, say. yeah so your decision custom still prevails it says that um, pro- prohibited it shouldn't be a prohibited relationship unless there's usage of custom but even there it shouldn't be against public policy morality which haven't been defined so public policy and morality uh, is once again uh, striking a blow for conservatism right. for social conservatism right that mm-hmm. stray bit, uh, stray in, in in one narrow uh, on one narrow path narrow and correct quote and quote moral path mm-hmm. uh, and this might uh, neelam you think this will find some wider uh, support Particularly uh, well, from older generation. Well, definitely. As far as I mean, if I give an example of Uttarakhand, when it decided to form a committee and go for uh, UCC, this <coughs> happened in twenty twenty two February, just before elections in Uttar Pradesh and Uttarakhand and other state assemblies. And at that time, uh, Pushkar Singh Dhami, who was the chief minister at that time, also had said that this will ensure that um, you know same set of rules and laws are in place. and this happened when the uh, when this entire controversy had broken out in karnataka about the hijab and uh, bjp's uh, general secretary organization bl santosh had said that you know just as he's from the rss he's from he, the I mean, rss everybody is from the rss but he is the rss rss person in the bjp in the bjp and so why i'm pointing it out is that you know they are all linked while dhami Uh, announcing this that we will do this it is a neighboring state of uttar pradesh where elections were to be held and this was going on simultaneously when there was this demand for a hijab ban in karnataka and at that point itself uh, bl santosh who is bjp's general secretary organization had posted uh, dhami statement on social media pla- platform x and at the same time uttar pradesh bjp uh, chief at that time swatantra dev singh 
had said that just as in the case of removal of Article 370, which dealt with special status for Kashmir and enactment of the Triple Talaq and the Citizenship Amendment Act, BJP would also fulfill its promise of UCC. Giriraj Singh had also at that point pointed out that, you know, the time has come for the nation to have a uniform civil code. And then at the same time, why it becomes important right now is because many private bills have been moved in the parliament, especially by a number of BJP parliamentarians. This has become sort of a testing ground for the BJP whether to push for it at the national level or not. And also it comes at a time uh, before the 2024 elections, uh, they can definitely make it a poll issue, especially uh, other states like Madhya Pradesh, Uttar Pradesh, Assam, Gujarat. They are all talking about it. They are already talking about it. Himachal Pradesh, the, they are no longer in government where they had also promised to bring it. And Uttar Pradesh becomes all the more important because, you know, it sends 80 parliamentarians uh, yeah. Uh, to to the um, uh, to the parliament. So I feel that you know Article 370 has been fulfilled. Ram Mandir has been constructed. So this is the third main poll promise or the manifesto promise of the BJP, which it now wants to fulfill. And even if it is not able to do it at the national level, it is telling the people that we have done it in this state. That that intent is there. And if you vote us again to power, this is something that we will definitely do. And this is also a promise. And said, this, this is, is also we'll a promise of the RSS. Now, there's also one more very interesting provision. And Badra, I will ask you to explain this, which says that a man can marry a woman who he may have divorced. Now, you would have thought, okay, you didn't get together. Uh, you didn't get along. You divorced. After a while, you missed each other. You got married. Decided to get married again. So what? This is this is then then sort of addressing the Islamic practice yes. that if a man and a woman divorce, yes. they cannot remarry unless the woman has married someone else. Yes, that's right. Again. Yeah. So this practice is called the nikah halala practice, which is very which is prevalent in the uh, you know in the Muslim community, and it's been quite a contentious topic as well. Basically, in this practice, a woman who divorces her husband and if she and if they want to remarry, then the woman has to marry another man, divorce him and then come back to marry the first husband. So now UCC has very categorically said that this kind of condition should not be there in case a woman who is divorced from the first husband wants to remarry him. In fact, it goes a step ahead. It criminalizes. A, uh, you know, it actually treats any person as a criminal who forces the woman to carry on with the practice of nikah halana. So it has it has completely eliminated that practice now, and it has implemented the uniform practice which was earlier in practice in, in the Hindu Hindu community under the Hindu Marriage Act. The same practice is now applicable even to the Muslim women. So this has been an area of concern in the sense that I, there are some petitions also filed in the Supreme Court challenging this practice. So let's just see how those petitions now would be heard in the Supreme this Court. This in fact uh, makes a lot, if it's passed or in the, on the national level, we'll have to see because a lot of Supreme Court petitions are on halal yes, as well. Yeah. They're yeah. all pending right now yeah. in the court. Yeah, but once these laws come up, everywhere and national laws come in, law, law comes in, then that will be tested in Supreme right, Court. Yes. Now, uh, Apurva, this new law also says 
interesting things about succession. Hmm. Just explain those to me. Right. Um, I will try to make it as simple as possible. That's the idea. That's that's why we call this. That's why we call this cut the clutter. Yes. Quite complicated. So I won't go into many details. But essentially, under the Hindu Succession Act, we used to have. classes of heirs on whom intestate succession can happen intestate meaning that there isn't a will so how will the property pass on to the heirs now there used to be class 1 class 2 heirs muslim personal law was different as were other uh, personal laws mm-hmm. now this uniformly talks about class 1 class 2 heirs for all the communities and within that it gives equal rights to uh, the male as well as female heirs Uh, as far as succession is concerned there's another thing and that was a discrimination within the hindu law and that was a concern that was given before that um under the hindu law currently there are different uh, ways on which for dealing with properties of males and females uh when a male or a female passes away so essentially meaning that hindu succession law gives priority to the husband's family over the woman's parents and siblings when it comes to a woman's self acquired property if she dies without a will hmm. this was considered discriminatory earlier now this um, court has made the same provisions when a man or a woman dies their property devolves to their heirs as Uh, in a in a similar manner. So, so the, so the families of both have the same, same. Uh, are on the Priority, same uh, yeah. are on the same footing. Right, right. yeah. So that's that's about uh, succession largely. So is there any other point that we are uh, overlooking, Bhadra? So I would like to add one point over here, which is with regard to the maintenance. Now this code has introduced a very interesting feature in the maintenance provision, and that says that if anybody is married before the code com- commences or uh, comes into notification. and if that person say has more than one wife two or three wives those wives can also go to the court now and seek for maintenance I now see. those wives could be anybody under any community so i think that is very important because um, you know as of now the other laws do not talk about how to deal with extra wives particularly the uh, islamic law it's very right. it's quiet on maintenance and alimony of more than one wife which is now taken care of in this new code now we are coming close to the conclusion of this this analysis so nilam why has the bjp been so careful to keep the tribals out of the ambit of this change right so uh, you know there are 47 seats in the lok sabha which are reserved for the uh, scheduled tribe uh, community uh, at the same time uh, law commission had also invited suggestions from people across the country on the uniform civil court which would be for the country at that time itself vanwasi um, kalyan vanwasi uh, kalyan ashram which is an affili- which is affiliated to the rss had also said that please keep tribals out of the ambit of the proposed uniform civil court so the tribal community as a vote bank is very important for the bjp we have been witnessing how bjp has come up with certain welfare measures especially for the community so at this juncture they would not want to you know uh, come up with anything that can dent their image of being pro tribals and at the same time whatever is happening in jharkhand right now where you have a tribal uh, chief minister who has accused the center of uh, hatching a conspiracy to remove him at that point it becomes all the more integral that bjp doesn't uh, appear as uh, anti tribals yeah so remember 8% of india is tribal which would make about 
the tri tribal population in India at about 11 crores. It's by far the largest tribal population in the world. And there's one little nuance there that when earlier some communities, particularly Muslims, had special uh, followed their own personal laws, that's when people could convert and get married a second time, etc. And some famous people have done that also. So you can convert and become and become a follower of another faith, but you cannot convert any which way and become a tribal. You can change your religion, but you cannot change your ethnicity. So those are the basic big pointers from this. This one state government has done it. It doesn't mean it's an isolated act. This is, this is a trial balloon, a trial balloon which has now become a reality in the state. And usually you would presume that other BJP states will do it and that will cause the Congress party and other parties a dilemma. At the same time, you might see that in Karnataka, for example, if the Congress party is in power and they don't do this, then it will become a magnet for living the younger professionals who don't yet want to commit, but they still want to live together. So this is where I think some bit of competition will come in. So in America, we know different states have different rules uh, for divorce, for abortion also. You can be denied in one, go to the other. Can India also be headed for a situation like that? So first of all, Bhadra, yes or no? Yes, of course. India, uh, different states in India can have their own personal laws and that um, is allowed under list three which actually deals with concrete list subjects so entry five in this particular list deals with marriage inheritance succession and of course divorce so under this entry any state state government can make its own state laws in fact i would just like to uh, you know recollect uh, the recent supreme court judgment in the same-sex marriage where a constitution bench of the supreme court actually said that if the state governments want they can bring about changes in their laws to recognize same-sex marriages. So yes, states can do it. However, if there is any central government law which covers this area and is repugnant and the state law is repugnant to that central law, then the central law comes into effect. However, till then, the state law. So central law will then supersede this. Yes, central law supersede. Apurva, if this is challenged in Supreme Court, what is it that you will see as most challengeable and that in your view is most likely to be struck down if at all um i can only speculate but like we mentioned before i think it is the live-in relationship bit because uh, again privacy would be an argument that would be given for it um it's also it also criminalizes um not notifying not giving a, a statement for live-in relationships there's also ambiguity in the provision which Again, provisions can be struck down or if they are ambiguous because doesn't even define what a live-in relationship is. Then there's uh, there's conflicting provisions with the I'm just some uh, making a summary out of all the contentious provisions, but the ambiguity with regard to the age and age of majority being 18. Forget age of marriage also. If age of majority is 18, courts have said with regard to uh, people seeking protections people who are in a living relationship when they go to the court for protection courts have said again and again once you attain the age of majority you can live you can vote you, you can, can vote, vote. Yes. and you can live with whoever you right want to, to choice basically right to so choose your the partner the minute you turn 18 yeah. your right to choice comes into effect so this then goes against those orders and judgments as well because if you're informing the parents or guardians unless you turn 21 that could be a plank for challenge of course so i think living relationship that entire part 
could end up in courts. And Neelam, uh, you see the BJP pushing this and how do you see the opposition responding now? Well, to begin with, uh, BJP in Uttarakhand has already decided that they will be holding thank you procession, sweets will be distributed and uh, they are already going to talk about how we have done it in Uttarakhand and other states will follow as far as the opposition is concerned as we have already discussed apart from the uh, privacy aspect they really don't have much to criticize because it talks about empowerment of women and giving rights to women something uh, which they will not officially or at least on the face of it they will not be able to challenge or uh, criticize. Well, uh, all I would say in conclusion is that most of it is as expected because a lot of it is directed at the special provisions that the Muslim personal law had. Uh, so this was expected. Some of these have been talked about polygamy, triple talaq, etc, etc. The interesting thing is and the surprise to me is that this has come with the tarka of social conservatism which is essentially the attack on Libyan relationships. Uh, and that, that becomes, that makes it a very interesting proposition because globally in democracy, there is a, there is a debate, there is polarization between socially liberal parties and also socially conservative parties, as in the US on the divorce issue, for example. Now, is such a thing going to develop in India? The fact is in Indian politics, we haven't really had many major national political parties who've taken the position of social liberalism when it comes to personal relationships.